Hey, this is Dr. Patty Sadala. Welcome to my Experience Jesus podcast. In this how-to episode, we will examine revival. What does it mean? What are the conditions that cause it? And what does Jesus have to say about it? The word revival is not in the Bible, but the word revive is chea, and it means to live, to restore your life, to come back to life. That implies a transition from a state of deadness to a state of aliveness, which made me want to look up the word resurrection in the Bible, which is kutz, spelled Q-U-T-S. It means to be awake, alive, arise, and to watch. To watch means to be looking and seeing something. The definitions of these two words were interesting to me, both in their connection to each other and to the kingdom season that we are in right now, the Great Awakening. To wake up means to open your eyes, which also means to see something, something that you hadn't seen before. There are many Christians that live below what God has created them to be. They're asleep, dead to the spiritual truth of their Christ identities. First, they must be awakened to the truth about who they really are, and then able to step into the destiny that Lord has created for them to have. Then you can begin to serve according to your kingdom purpose for which God created you for and leads you to play a role in his kingdom plan of the Great Commission before Jesus returns. There have been many great awakenings, great revivals over the last 2,000 years of Christianity, and I believe, along with many present-day prophets, that It is the time right now of the Great Awakening, that great harvest precursor that's promised in the book of Revelation at the end of days. It is truly exciting to be alive at this time and season. The first revival is found in the book of Acts. Let's look at some clues from those verses about that revival that tell us what we need to know about a revival in our own day. Acts 4.31 And when they had prayed, the place where they were meeting together was shaken, a sign of God's presence. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness and courage. We learn here that prayer is a key component. Prayer is our primary communication vehicle with God. But these were not ordinary prayers. They were God's prayers. They were God's will prayers. Matthew 18, 19, and 20 says, And again I say to you, that if two believers on this earth agree, that is, are of one mind and one harmony, about anything, and then they ask within the will of God, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, meeting together as my followers, I am there among them. So we learn here that having two or more people meeting together, agreeing with God's will, invites his manifest presence. And in Acts, the verse said that the room was shaken, which was a sign of God's presence. Then the Acts verse continues with them being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking with boldness. So the releasing of the Holy Spirit is another sign that you're on the right track. And speaking is mentioned here. God spoke all creation into existence, and we are created in his image. 
When we speak, we create. Whether you are speaking in your own language or in a heavenly language, when you speak in agreement with God's will, you put his will into action. Let's pick up our Acts verse now with Acts 4.32. Now the company of believers was of one heart and soul, and not one of them claimed anything belonging to him was exclusively his own, but everything was common property and for use of all. This implies that they had to let go of their own personal agendas, and they were all on God's page. So unity is another important key. Philippians 2.2 sheds more light on what that looks like. Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, having the same love toward one another, knit together in spirit, intent on one purpose, and living a life that reflects your faith and spreads the gospel, the good news regarding salvation through faith in Christ. So a heart posture that is founded on the love of God, completely connected to the heart of God, is what is required. And the goal, God's goal, was that more people would receive salvation through faith in Christ. So we see here that one of the purposes of revival is to add more folks to the kingdom. Let's continue with Acts 4.33. And with great ability and power, the apostles were continuously testifying to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace, God's remarkable loving kindness and favor and goodwill rested richly upon them all. The power of God is released through his people. They were reflecting and releasing the love and power of God together in unity. This is another key. So prayer, properly postured hearts, agreeing with God's will together in humility, releases the power of salvation, healing, and deliverance. There was a holy alignment. This is another very important point. Most of us would agree that if you fill a room with people, they will not all be in agreement. So there is a holy alignment that needs to happen that causes the group to be of one mind and one accord. God's glory shows up. God's glory shows you what is right. It is the encountering of the king of righteousness that shows you what to agree with. You immediately see what's wrong in your own heart, and it makes you drop to your knees in repentance. Confessing and repenting of your iniquity invites the anointing of God on you, and the anointing fixes what's broken, and the glory shows you what's right. This is what must happen in a room to get fully aligned with God's will and purposes. God shows up, shows you what you need to fix and replace in your body, your mind, your heart, and his glory gives you that clarity, and then the anointing comes to fix it. So that's why you see a lot of signs and wonders and deliverance and miracles at revival sessions, because God is showing them what needs to be fixed, and he's taking care of it. So this is why you see when you when you see revival stories that there are people confessing 
that they have transformational experiences of meeting Jesus and having him make things right. Sometimes that looks like healing of emotional wounds and trauma, healing of physical limitations, or even breaking off of sin patterns and addictions. Whatever work needs to be done for you to be able to let your own will go to agree with God's, he takes care of in that revival moment. Let's take a look at some revival stories in the past and see if you can recognize any of what we've talked about already in these stories. Pastor and former slave William Seymour led the Azusa Street Revival in Los Angeles from 1906 to 1908. He was known for having a burning heart for the holiness and word of God. His heart posture for the Lord attracted other like-minded prayer partners in a very small church building. When, in an evening prayer meeting, they began to speak in tongues and release other gifts of the Spirit. This was something their denomination didn't even believe for, which put Seymour in hot water with his denomination. Word spread and signs and wonders were happening in that little building. People came in droves and received salvations, healing, deliverance, and were activated to spread the good news of the gospel. God manifested in that place as a thick glory cloud, and people who visited there were equipped by the baptism of the Holy Spirit to release God's power when they left that place. Stories of revival quickly spread across North America and Europe and other parts of the world as people who had been in Azusa traveled and testified, published articles about their experiences. They carried with them the seed of this revival and it spread wherever they went. There have been many books written about the Azusa Street stories, including one by the children who used to dance in the glory cloud in the church with their parents. Even they became adults that carried revival into their worlds. There's a link below to some of those resources on this episode of the pattyej.podbean.com site. Now let's talk about the Toronto Blessing. In January of 1994, At the Toronto Vineyard Airport Church, pastored by John and Carol Arnott, they had invited Pastor Randy Clark as a guest speaker for what was meant to be a few nights of church meetings that turned into years of an outpouring of God's powerful spirit in that church. Thousands would come and find healing, peace, and victory in God's power by encountering the love of God there. Chuck Mayer shared his story in an article entitled, The Five Things I Learned from the Toronto Blessing. In it, he shares what he learned about his experience of the Toronto Blessing as a brand new believer at that time. The link to that article is below this episode as well. Here's a quick summary of his learnings about revival with my own comments. Number one, hunger attracts heaven. The pastors wanted it. The leadership team of this church had been praying into the heart's desire for a powerful visitation of God for a very long time before this happened with Randy Clark. And Randy Clark 
prayed for this as well for every single opportunity that he had to speak. So we see that prayer and agreement with God's will did set the stage for this revival. The church wanted more of God. There was a hunger for it. Not that the pews would fill up or that they would increase their membership, but what they wanted was God and God alone. That is the proper heart posture. The second thing he learned is that God responds to expectation. God wants to have you experience him even more than you want the experience of him. When you believe that God is who he says he is and can do what he promises, he is delighted to show up and prove himself to be who he is to you. He is the Savior, Healer, Deliverer, Shepherd, King of Kings, and when you expect him to be those things, he loves to show up. One of my personal healing miracles was in Israel. I had a backbone that was bumped out of place, and I needed weekly traction by my chiropractor. He said that I would be needing surgery because the bone could travel, and then I would be in real trouble. I told him I was going to Israel, and that I knew that God would heal me there. And he did. I expected him to be my great physician, and he healed me. In Toronto, just like in Azusa, People heard about the miracles happening, and it caused them to expect that God would be there for them, too, if they came. And that's what drew them there. They knew God was there, they knew he was doing miracles, and they knew that if they showed up, they would encounter him, too. That's a key lesson. The third lesson was that God wants to move on his terms not ours. Mayer said in this article, a key to making room for God to move is allowing him to move on his terms and not ours. This reinforces our scripture in Acts that says that all must be in agreement with God's will and his way for him to work. God is not a genie. He is not there to do things for you in your way and in your timing. We are his followers, and he is our leader. So revival may not look like you expect it to, and there may be some strange manifestations of God that make you uncomfortable. But we need to allow God to be God and go with his flow and not expect it to look the way we want it to. You may have to face your demons to receive your healing, but God knows what he's doing, so you just trust him and allow him to get you through whatever you need when you're in that room. And another point I would like to add is that this one shows how much we must cooperate with God to receive what he has for us. It's not all him doing everything and you just need to show up and receive the blessing. There's a lot of surrender required to become aligned with his mind and his will and his emotions And he will cause you to see all that stuff and cooperate with him because he wants you to have those blessings. The fourth thing he learned is that we need to have more faith in God's ability to bless and protect us than we do in the devil's ability to deceive us. I thought this was a great point. Do you have a big devil and a small God, a small G God, or a true picture of the relationship between God and the devil? 
When you put God in his rightful place and realize that the one in you is a million times bigger than the puny devil, you will be on your way to living a much more powerful Christian life. Remember, the Father sees you through Christ's perfection, and the enemy sees you as you see yourself. So if you are afraid of the devil, he can work with that. But if you see yourself as covered and sealed by the power of the blood, the enemy sees you that way too and trembles. So fear of the enemy is faith in reverse. And the final lesson from Mayer is that the father wants to have fun with his kids. Psalm 1611 says, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. In an episode that I did about the joy of the Lord, the Lord showed me the depths of the kingdom emotion of joy. And he moved me through happiness, contentment, beauty, all the way to holy laughter, which was the depths of the joy of the Lord. And when you see people laughing uncontrollably by the holy laughter, you are seeing their spirit get healed because the fullness of joy is healing. Laughter is good medicine. So even if it seems strange or even irreverent for people to be laughing their heads off, know now when you see it that that's just God healing them. And that manifestation happens a lot in the middle of a revival. God enjoys you. He loves to share enjoyable times with you, and he loves for you to understand yourself as a child of God. There's a whole episode on childlike faith, why it works extra well for you to see yourself as a child when you encounter Jesus, and that link can be below as well. So finally, Lord, what do you have to say about revival and the Great Awakening? And he said, people make it so complicated and think that revival is hard to reach or rare. Really doesn't have to be. I long for people to want me, that hunger for me that draws me in. And I want them to want what I want, to show people how to draw close to me and surrender their will for mine. My will is so much better for them than they can even ask or imagine. And right below that journal where he, ha- he said that in my journal, it said, Corinthians 2.9, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived the things God has prepared for those who love him. Lord, what are the conditions, if lined up, create revival? And he said, Remember the list of things I gave you when you asked me what moves me to move in the miraculous? This was featured in a podcast about miracles, and I can link that episode below. But I'll also link the excerpt that was included in my book with that list below. And I said, yes, Lord, there were things like connecting with your will, seeing things from your perspective, coming with childlike faith, humility, pure motives, taking steps of faith, believing who you say you are, knowing your authority, that kind of thing. He says, yeah. So when a group of people gather together and have those things, My heart is motivated to respond. When a group of people are aligned with my will, praying my heart prayers, faithfully believing me to move, 
I love to show them who I am in supernatural evidences, up close and personally. It is those who are willing to be used for my kingdom plans and have the courage to shine my light that I upgrade with new levels of anointing and responsibility. Those are the ones that are fearless, bold, and unapologetic. But you must count the cost. See Luke 14, 28. For every major revival in history, there was a huge opposing resistance. Remember, my favor is like a two-sided magnet. See the episode link below on God's favor. He said, my favor blesses those I can count on, and the enemy hates that. When the enemy sees me favoring someone, they know that the person is a huge threat to their purposes, so they attack. The enemy's goal is to limit the impact of a Christian, and anyone who can't take the heat of spiritual warfare will cower. I ask you this question, when you choose to run from spiritual warfare, who are you pleasing? But those who know who I am, know their authority as my child, and know how to respond with my supernatural power, including praying with great effect for healing, signs, wonders, and miracles. They can take the heat of persecution and are undaunted. This is because they know the strength to fight comes from me. I am their defender. Those are the people I like to bless with my favor of revival. Unity gives X-factor multiplied strength as well. Nothing can stop a move of my spirit when dry bones come to life and link arms and march together as one. This is the season for people and ministries to unite as one in my name. This must happen to equip the saints to usher in the great harvest of the end times in the Revelation. Before we dive into our encounter today, I wanted to take a moment to ask you for a blessing. If you have learned some new things and have drawn closer to God by this podcast, Please pray for the Lord to multiply it and allow the Lord to pop a few names into your spirit for whom you could share this podcast with. Simply text or email them the link to the pattyej.podbean.com site and let them know why you've been blessed by it. And please check out my books, journals, and downloadable resources at pattysadala.com shop and remember the code EJPOD to receive 10% off everything, even the stuff already on sale. And remember, they make great gifts too. Thank you for blessing me by your prayers and for being a listener to this podcast. If this is your first podcast experience with us, you may want to go back to the trailer episode and learn about the biblical foundation for dialogue journaling, our process for experiencing Jesus. This leads you through the first special place encounter with Jesus as a child. This is a starting point for all of our experiences with Jesus. For best results, it is always good to properly posture your heart for your experience by welcoming Jesus' presence with praise and thanksgiving and playing with him in the special place as a child for a few minutes before asking for anything from him. After playing with Jesus in the special place for a while, ask the Lord to show you what part of your life and heart needs to be resurrected. What part needs to come back to life in you? Lord, how can I become someone you want to use for revival? And who can I link arms with in unity in this season? 
Have a conversation with him about all those things. Record it all in your journal and take your time. Well, I hope you learned a lot about revival today and realized a little something about yourself and your encounter with Jesus, about how he may use you in this present day move of the Great Awakening. And I hope you will join us on this podcast adventure. Follow this podcast and forward it to others that you think may be blessed by it. And check out all the links below. They are designed to take you deeper. I thank God for you and bless you in Jesus' name.